We back in the lab, we making some noise, so go turn your decibels up. Yeah. Black skin, white coat, oh no, who was nice as us? Made Jimmerson, really told us no limits, so we about to take this up. Went from mixing in the kitchen to the lab, and now nah, I can make this up. Be side, be scientist, be side, be scientist. We shining a light on the people of color to show them how fly it is. Be side, be scientist, be side, be scientist. We back in the lab with white coats on our back, trying to show what time it is. Hey. And welcome back to the Be Scientist Podcast, a podcast by the Black Science Coalition and Institute, or BSI. When you hear this noise, that is our in podcast citation. So please head over to b-si.org backslash be scientist to see all of our citations ever. I am geoarchaeologist Jordan Chapman. As always, we have the dope chemist herself, Jana Carpenter. And today we're going to have some, um, you know, some science news for you guys. I do want to take a second to say the world's a crazy place right now. And there's a a lot of things that I'm sure people are worried about from the things going on um, with the war in Ukraine and Russia to the fact that there is now another um, COVID variant out there that could potentially be more contagious than all of the other ones. But with all that said, uh, please, please, please do your best to protect your mental health and understand that the world is an overwhelming place right now. And um, I keep hearing about the interesting times we live in. And sometimes it'd be just nice to not have to live in interesting times. Yeah, I it's, I I don't get where the interesting part comes <laughs> into it because I live in fear. Every yeah, day. honestly, and it's like, I see a, I've seen a joke going around on like social media about like the chapter and like future kids textbooks about what's going on now. And honestly, I wouldn't want to study that. It's just it's just a lot. Like Yeah, I mean I think it's even like so optimistic to, to think of the future. <laughs> That's fair. Like, we're gonna have one of those where this isn't always gonna be the present mm. moment. I can't wrap my head around that personally. Right. But yeah, I like yeah. uh <laughs> I I I thought about it one time and I was like, man, that's crazy because I didn't I, I don't remember the World War II section of the textbook. And then with the things going on in Ukraine and Russia, I'm like, oh, I guess I kind of need to brush up on that again now because that's kind of getting crazy out of there. And um I one of the things that's been crazy in seeing all that is just like the historical precedence for it. Um particularly in that uh, I know that the, I'm going to butcher the name right now, but it's, I think it's called the Atomic Bulletin of Sciences. They do the doomsday clock um, each year and they, yeah, yeah. They, they've been doing it since the beginning of like the cold (laughs) war, essentially. Um, It's ironic because they had just done it before Russia decided to invade Ukraine. And I'm like, boy, oh boy, What's it going to look? What would it have been if Russia would have did it a week earlier? And what would it be next year? And it's just like wow. And I think they were celebrating like their seventy fifth year of like doing it. And I'm like, and they didn't change it. They had that's another thing that was interesting about that. As I don't think they changed it since even with COVID. I don't think they changed it to midnight, which midnight is basically like oh. it's the world is 
going astray and they hadn't really changed it that much um even during COVID. and i was really in that two year like this two-year period of like all of this happening and i was like they must change it soon right it's going to move closer to midnight and it wouldn't move and then this happened and i'm like oh okay so it probably should have moved already it's probably like if if it doesn't move next year then i don't know when it's ever going to move again um and then on top of that too is that chernobyl which side of one of the worst nuclear incidents um ever is 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 currently under russian control and people are very worried about it i'm like wow yeah it just seems really strange that that's the place that they chose to take over i just i'm so curious to know why why chernobyl like it's obviously a really radioactive site that's still very active so why do you want to claim this space what what are you what are you planning (laughs) yeah people are worried and it scares me it seemed that most of the logic was because like because they invaded from belarus which is like in the north to get to Kiev, mm-hmm. which is the capital of the Ukraine, they were like, oh, we'll go this way. And Chernobyl was along the fastest like route to get to Kiev. That does not, but there has been there there was a lot of intensive fighting around the the power plant, it, which was just just alarming because and then like the radiation spikes around the power plant. It's going offline like twice. I think since all that stuff happened, so it's just like, come on, come, just come, come on. We everyone is talking about how we were done the pandemic, and then this happened, and then COVID was like, oh, but well, I'm still here. So yeah, right. Yeah, I think it's really uh, also optimistic to assume that that power plant fire. It's totally fine. Like, yeah, no, we mm-hmm. had it all under control. It's fine. That sounds a whole lot like Chernobyl. Like, that's exactly what like they Chernobyl. said. It's, it's, it sounds exactly like so, what they said. So it's a little concerning to think about. But... It's very concerning. On other news, in other news, <laughs> we do have science news besides what's going on in Chernobyl and the other like implications of why that we're even talking about Chernobyl. Yeah. So one thing that I came across was published in nature communications it was the university of pennsylvania study and i know exactly where that is but apparently uh light to moderate drinking can lead to reduce brain size um, research and anal- researchers and analyzed thirty-six thousand adults who had an average amount of alcoholic drinks and they based that off an, of an alcoholic unit and alcohol an alcoholic unit was defined as the equivalent to half a beer and even that was enough to have some negative side effects and even uh, um, almost obviously if you drink more than that on a constant basis then you can have reduced brain size which is a bit concerning because i know a lot of people who drink you know pretty regularly and it's not to say that people have like an alcoholic problem or anything but it just says that that's how dangerous alcohol is and i thought that was a really interesting article yeah that's definitely interesting and i mean i can speak for myself i definitely have uh, the occasional drink mm-hmm. uh, more than occasionally <laughs> and i think a lot of grad school <laughs> a lot of grad students everywhere are like oh no maybe that's why i don't remember yeah which sample i was working on <laughs> right so no it's definitely i've seen something like this before and i also partake every now and again i don't drink 
that much, but even I think I would probably still fall into this category, which is crazy. But like, yeah, that's a really small amount to cause that kind of permanent damage. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, that's the, that's just that's the crazy part. I've seen this somewhere else too. <laughs> um, so I've seen something a similar like. Um, I want to. I don't want to say statistic because they didn't use the same statistic, but I've seen at least a similar study uh, on this TV show. I don't know. Uh, I, I'm sure I've mentioned it before, but Adam ruins everything, uh, which is a show you can watch on HBO Max if you have that. There's an episode about Adam ruins a night out, basically, and usually the way Adam ruins everything works is that they do like three like ruins, basically, essentially. Um, the first one was interesting. It was like why women um shave and why those societal pressures came out um and then i think another one was about like pocketbooks so kind of along the same line and then like the last story was about alcohol and stuff like that and that's kind of where i heard a similar study before but hearing to put it in this way that half a beer like i think if anyone's drinking they're probably drinking more than half a beer already so that's that's concerning yeah definitely uh especially since I think I, I even saw in a study that, especially if you're under the age of 25, before yeah. your brain fully develops as an adult is when a lot of that permanent damage kind of takes place because your brain is still trying to develop. So I could imagine that, you know, some of those growth factors that your body is expecting to go through until you turn 25 just don't reach that mm. that limit, which is crazy because, you know, the drinking age is 21. So. Right. To think that, you know, college students are out here turning 21 and then drinking, yeah. you know, <laughs> who's to say? I mean, I I know, oof, I've had some moments in undergrad that, you know, I'm sure <laughs> that half a beer was peeling. <laughs> was a, that was a very low amount compared to what I had on some of those days in undergrad. Um, I've just, oof, so I could, and people are yeah. doing, people are doing that. I was a lightweight compared to a lot of other people in undergrads. So yeah, that's. Oof. Yeah, no, I've been to several kickbacks where mm-hmm. a half a beer was what you drank on your way in. Yeah, basically. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder. I wonder what. I wonder what half a beer is in terms of wine too. Like it's that's that. I'm curious about what's that. Um, um conversion is right i I mean i'm not gonna act like i know what i'm talking Mm. about but i do know that the in terms of like one shot is the equivalent of one beer is the equivalent of a glass of wine so i I can Mm. imagine like a half glass of wine would somewhat be the equivalent of a half a beer okay i don't know i can't say for sure i mean (laughs) i I feel like i've heard that somewhere before and if that is the case then i'm every now and then Every now and again, I'm clearing that half a beer only at least every couple of weeks. So there it is. Yeah. You know, it's, I'm not going to say how much I drink because my mom listens. To my mom listens podcast, to this podcast but... too. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Listen, it happens though. Yeah. No, sorry. If my mom is listening right now, I never drink. Nope. No. What? Never. That's crazy. Never do that. I'm such, <laughs> dude, I'm, I'm so well behaved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, <laughs> anyway, to another story. Um, this one I find like this might be one of the best stories i've read all year in terms of science honestly but it's pizza science Uh, so scientists material scientists at the university of naples fed rico which i believe is in florence but i want to make sure i 
we put that into the citation archive, which you can check out on b-side.org. Uh, but um, they created uh, pizza dough without using yeast. So basically, they pressurize gas to mimic how yeast produces CO2 um, because yeast digests sugar um, and dough, and that produces uh, CO2 bubbles, help giving pizza its texture um, and some similar foods like bread and things like that. Um, so they just used pressurized CO2, like gas. I think they use CO2, and I think they also use helium in um, other experiments. Um, but then they analyzed the results of the dough using rheology, which is the study of flow and deformation of a material, which is kind of in the realm of geology. That's uh, something that a lot of volcanologists kind of dabble in. Um, and even like some structural geologists dabble in rheology because at high temperatures and pressure, um, rocks start to behave very differently than they do on the surface of the earth. Um, so I thought that was really cool for that aspect of it, just to think about um, that connection to everything. And the one thing that was also interesting is that, again, because the the dough didn't have yeast is that it was just flour, water, and salt. But that meant that the pieces were very small. They were only about the size of a half a penny. But um, potentially this is beneficial because people who have dietary restrictions uh, and can eat yeast, maybe that's a potential way for people to enjoy pizza one day. Yeah, I mean, it, it just makes me think of those automated, because I've, I've heard of there being automated pizza machines in places, like a vending machine. I've heard of these. Mm -hmm. And I could only imagine it being really useful for those kinds of like fast food type type deals where, where you need pizza to rise really quickly, but you still want to retain the quality, you know, of a proper yeast <laughs> fermentation. <laughs> I didn't actually think about that. That's really a really good point, actually. Um, they Some people I know, and the, they were mentioning in the study that like the sugars are still kind of needed um, because there's not as much, but. There, there were some discrepancies about that in the study, but I didn't think about it for the application. I was like, well, like besides the dietary restrictions, I hadn't really thought about some of the applications, but that's a really good point. Like, I think they this happened more in like, like the pizza machines. I think that's more of like an East Asian thing. Like, I think maybe like Japan mm -hmm. has like pizza vendor machines or something like that. But I can easily imagine. Yeah, like, I think. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say that's that's the ingrained capitalist in me thinking of ways to exploit this. I mean, scientific discovery. I mean, that's going to happen. <laughs> that's just what's going yeah. to happen. I can see. Um, oof, I can see little Caesars right now just being like, that's what we yep. need. That's. That's what's going to happen. If it's not little Caesars, yeah. Domino, Papa John's, like they are all. They, just all going to just jump on that. They're probably, they're probably like, they're probably trying to figure out how to fund this research right now. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm sure they're like some private donor mm -hmm. of this research. Right. But yeah, no, speaking of little Caesars, which this is, this is off topic, cool. but the, the new Batman pizza from little Caesars uh... is quite the sight to behold. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> so just if you, if you haven't seen it yet, um, and you like Batman and also Little Caesars? What a demographic to, to really pinpoint there. I don't even know if that demographic but listens to this podcast, honestly. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> probably that, That's not. an interesting demographic. But yeah. And in case you're curious, it is a pizza in the shape of a bat. And it is atrocious <laughs> to look at. It's bad. But it is interesting. <laughs> so yeah no for sure so i could see little caesars doing something as as atrocious as like exploiting mm -hmm. um you know yeast fermentation to listen 
boost productivity. <laughs> I think we just I think we just have lost another sponsor to this podcast. We probably. need a list of <laughs> we've we've probably alienated some sponsors on this podcast. I think we came at uh we came at Kellogg for sure one time. That happened. Oh yeah. Um yeah. I feel like we came at Target once, maybe even Walmart. Um one of the two. It was definitely one of the two. Mm-hmm. And now Little Caesar's getting it. We just roasting people. It's just what it is. Hey, you know what? I, and I and I and I regret nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and I will not take it back. Hey, I, Little Caesar's abomination. I what I Little said. Caesar's an abomination of pizza anyway. Let's just put that out there. Like no one. No one in their right mind is doing that anyway. So like they had to do with they, they 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 were like we gotta use something that people kind of like. So they were like just pick Batman. That's what happened. Like we know what happened, Little Caesars. Yeah, yeah. Just do better. I was gonna I was gonna go in further on Little Caesars, but I I'll, I will restrain myself. Yeah, cardboard box pizza. So at least I'll try. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's coming straight out of the oven, I just even then. It's not... <sighs> anyway. I make better pizzas once a week. <laughs> I you can get better pizza at kroger like just 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 go to the frozen pizza section honestly honestly i'm yeah i'm not gonna lie first has got some good kroger's got good pizza frozen pizza honestly so yeah or like sam's club or sam's club little like oh man that's some good pizza. hey we almost alienated walmart but honestly you could probably get good pizza at walmart so yeah yeah no i i i guess i'll 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 walk back a few of my extra <laughs> statements yeah, um, but we won't take that back from yeah. you, Little Caesars. You're just getting it today. You're just getting real stupid. Yeah, no, sorry. <laughs> I think I think it's implied in the in the whole brand that that's gonna happen. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they should expect nothing right. less than that. But in other science news, and I have to admit, I don't quite fully understand a lot of this uh, science article, mostly because it involves a lot of astrophysics mm-hmm. which is not my background me neither. Me neither. <laughs> but um some scientists uh recently were able to discover that there is a really bright background light emitting from just outside of our um solar system uh and so they, this has kind of actually been a really ongoing um research study about um analyzing the brightness of, of the outer skirts of our solar system to figure out um, some of the beginnings and, and potential um, activity uh, surrounding our solar system. Um, but they were able to visualize this light that was pervading from the cosmos um, through a spacecraft called New Horizons. Um, and this spacecraft actually flew past Pluto back in 2015 Um, But they were able to kind of fine tune it over the years um, to capture images past Pluto, uh, which is, of course, the furthest from our sun. And so we can kind of get a visual without having so much um, direct sunlight, (laughs) Mm -hmm. so to speak, uh, from deflecting this image from our solar system. And so uh, what they were able to do is just kind of pinpoint with uh, much greater accuracy than back in 2015 they were able to capture um, these this cluster of stars is what they are assuming it is Um, that's just emitting a lot of light uh, which probably means from where it is in relation to our solar system is that it's probably dying or already dead where it's at 
Um, but it is interesting to note because all of these things kind of have a domino effect for the rest of our solar system and our galaxy. So it's just something interesting to note that, you know, while things are happening here on our tiny little rock in the middle of the universe, um, there's still things going on outside of this this planet. So Yeah, that's dope. Um I I'm pretty sure I've heard of New Horizon before. I don't I'm I'm also not an astrophysicist, but I do try to like pay attention to the things that NASA gets up to. Um Yeah, they they go into a lot of math when if you go into the, the original article that we'll link in the citations, mm-hmm. they talk about you know, flux of of cosmic systems and and I just <laughs> that goes beyond my <laughs> abilities. But before I go on, I did want to mention that they 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 dub this invisible light that we can see at the edge of our galaxy the cosmic optical background or cob, mm-hmm. which I think is funny. Um, I love when scientists come up with little idioms about science stuff. No, for sure. Um, but yeah, so there's there's stuff going on out there. Yeah, I, I think the James Webb Telescope also. I don't know if it had already launched. Uh, I, I'm trying to look up some stuff right now about it. Um, so it's, so um, forgive me for being a little shaky on the details, but I think that launched in December, and I know it's been in the news recently because it like captured an image of something. I don't remember what it was exactly, but I know that's been some big news. So, yeah, NASA just checking along, being amazing as usual. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. Outside of all of the misery of COVID mm-hmm. and, and this pandemic and, you know, imminent destruction of the social construct. Yeah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> yeah, NASA's still out here just doing the good work mm-hmm. and good science. Just science that I I personally am not equipped to. Do. Oh, yeah, me neither. No, no, no. But yeah, but this we didn't plan on this being a longer episode um, because grad school is grad school and the rest of the world overwhelming as usual. So we didn't really plan on this being a longer episode, but um, some updates. Uh, the website is going through some changes. Um, you know, we have mentioned it here before, but we are working on a magazine. And as we try to figure out how the magazine will work on the website, we have been messing around with the website. So right now, if you go to the website, it's probably fine. Um, please let us know if it's not. But it's probably fine. You can use it. But over the next couple months, as the magazine um, eventually comes out, it will start to look very different. Hopefully, it'll make it look, um, it'll be a little bit easier to navigate the website because um in retrospect, uh, because of the things we've added to the website since it launched, I think in 2020, uh, it uh, things have changed. Things probably haven't been arranged in the best way they could have been. So that's kind of part of what's going on right now, too. So that's happening. Um, but yeah, that's happening. And that and that's another plug for B-Scientist Magazine, which hopefully will come out soon-ish. You know, again, Definitely. grad school for women. and also congratulations to all of those medical students who recently got matched Mm. and got found their placements for residency Mm 
Um, I know I have a few friends who were able to um, get placed in a residency. Shout out to them. And for those who didn't, I feel for you. No one ever talks about that. No, no one ever talks about like the people that don't get matched. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, I'm also I don't know too much about the matching process, honestly, like residency and stuff like that. Um, if it's anything like uh, getting into a grad school, then I can imagine the disappointment at least for sure. Yeah. So basically, if you don't, if you get matched, that's where you will spend. I think it's up to four to seven years for a residency, and you only get one shot. And you you interview at at you know twenty fifty different places, and you have your top picks. You rank them just like you would for like grad school or you know any kind of thing that you could rank. Mm-hmm. And if you get it, you'll find out. And you know wherever you get matched, if it's not your first choice, you have to you sign a contract to go work there for however long to gain expertise in a certain area. So that's a lot. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's a lot. And it's definitely like specific to your specialty. So like if you're in psychiatry, you'll get matched to a residency in psychiatry and so, so on and so forth. But Mm. 50 schools, you know, that's yeah. Like it, it depends. Like some, you could, be interviewing for days because it's at a specific uh like a hospital that you have to work at right uh during your residency some of them are linked to universities if you're doing you know research-based work in your md field mm-hmm. but some of them aren't and it's just it's really competitive it's super competitive yeah so that's wild um mm. yeah good luck to you people and i'm happy that some of you guys got in but yeah, um, shorter episode. But do you have anything else that you want to add, Jenna? I don't think so. Cool. Cool. Well, like I said, we're checking along. And we do have guests coming up. So stay tuned for that. Um, again, stay tuned for Be Scientist. Not just the podcast, but the magazine coming out again soon-ish. And until then, and until next time, don't forget to be scientists. And wear a mask. Okay, like we can't keep doing this. Really can't. (laughs) So be scientists. We'll catch you next time. Be scientists is a podcast by the Black Science Coalition and Institute, or BSI, a 501c3 nonprofit. Be scientists is hosted by both Jenna Carpenter, chemist, and BSI's research and development officer, and Jordan Chapman, geoarchaeologist and BSI's president. Music is produced by Delarallo. And lyrics are by Ed Yana. Special thanks to Michael, Mike, Cast, and Marshall, and the Plaza Abbey Studios. If you'd like to donate to B Side, visit our official website, bside.org. That's b-side.org. Your donation supports the B Scientist and B Side's other projects. We couldn't do it without you. So please tune in next time, and always, B Scientist. <laughs>